Good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll have another edition of the Bean Report. And at first in today's country comment, John Gavlosky with Manitoba Agriculture will stop by to talk about insects. Latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next hour. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute, and here's today's country comment. Joining us on the program today is provincial entomologist John Gavlosky. So grasshoppers are uh, getting into their later juvenile stages, and there are some adult grasshoppers out there now as well. Uh, there's a species called the clearwing grasshopper that goes through its juvenile stages a bit quicker than the other species, and so they're now going into the adult stage. Right now is the ideal time to be managing any populations that are quite large. So we've been encouraging farmers and agronomists to be scouting their field edges. Um, anywhere that had lush, lush dense vegetation the previous season is usually where most of the hatch occurs, and that's where people need to be checking this year. And if the populations are very high, it's easy, easier to control them when they're still juveniles than when they're fully um emerges adults. Now, the clear-winged grasshopper that I mentioned, it's a little different than our other pest species of grasshoppers because it's more of a grass specialist. They will feed on um, cereals and forage grasses, pasture grasses, but they don't like to feed on things like canola, soybeans, many broadleaf crops. Talk about um, alfalfa weevil. So alfalfa weevil, um, it's tiny little brown beetle with a darker stripe down its back. And their juvenile stage look like uh, small, they, they almost look caterpillar-like with their beetle larvae. They're legless, and you'll find them at the tip of the alfalfa plants. Um, they're defoliators, so they're eating the leaves and the, uh, the flowers and the, the buds. There's a lot of them. What may happen is the plants have almost a frosted appearance. Now, that's when you've had a lot of alfalfa weevil feeding. The easiest way to deal with them if you're a hay producer is cut a little bit on the early side. Um, being legless, they can't move out of your field. So the larva will starve or desiccate after you cut the crop. Still keep an eye on the regrowth just in case some survive. But sometimes earliest, earlier cutting is the better way to deal with them. And finally, I um, wanted to talk a little bit about um, aphids and um, what we're seeing there. So we've got some higher levels of aphids in the eastern part of the province in the cereal crops. There, there's many different types of aphids, and some of them are very specific in what they feed on. So the ones that we're seeing more of are a, a species called the English grain aphid and another one called the oat bird cherry aphid. And with both of those, they like your cereal crops. The English grain aphid will get right up into the head area and do their feeding. And the other one, the oat bird cherry, feeds more on the stems and leaves. We've got both of those. And it's mainly been, like in the eastern region where we've seen some of these higher populations. So we're encouraging people with cereal crops just to go. And uh, easiest way is just to shake out some of the, the heads and look on the stems and leaves and just see what the levels are. If you're over about 12 to 15 per stem on average, that's when we consider it to be an economical situation, and control may be economical. The other thing to consider 
in some of the fields, there's a lot of natural enemies starting to show up. Uh, lady beetles, lace wings, hoverflies. These are all things that eat the aphids. So if you're not quite economical and you've got a lot of these beneficials in the field, sometimes they'll take care of the problem for you. That was John Gavlosky, entomologist with Manitoba Agriculture. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. KPMG Canada recently released a three-part report entitled Growing Canada, How Agribusiness is Evolving. David Guthrie, KPMG's national leader for agribusiness, says ag tech innovations like drones and sensors are creating opportunities to really transform farming and agribusiness industries. The future is really, if you think of it as a... a a control room with a number of monitors and a number of sensors feeding in it's you know that's essentially the vision of the farm of the future is going to be an office with a number of monitoring stations that will tell you what is working what is not working what are predictive yields uh what are predictive issues within your farming operation and herbicide spraying is wrapping up. Kim Brown-Livingston is a weed specialist with Manitoba Agriculture. We're kind of really at the tail end of it. We've got some second sprays going on on our corn and our canola and our soybeans, but we're really late in the day on that, and, and it's, we're getting to the end of the stage that that's the, the, the appropriate crop stage for that. In other areas of the province, we've had some reseeded canolas, and some of them are still getting sprayed. Um, but otherwise, you know, we're kind of at the tail end of those second sprays. She notes windy conditions have made it challenging for spraying this year. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Tuesday, July 6th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll have details on the Thanks for Farming Tour. Last year, the first Thanks for Farming tour made stops in 10 farming communities across the prairies. This year, the tour is back on the road to say thank you to growers, producers, and farming communities by giving back to Egg in Canada. Glendalee Allen Vossler talked with Jeremy Maduszewski, one of the organizers for the Thanks for Farming tour. The thought process behind the tour was was twofold. One, when COVID started canceling everything, um, we knew that that us as a company that that sold products to farmers, we needed to find a way to still continue to connect with them. And the second part of it was, you know, felt like nobody ever says thank you to farmers. Very rarely do people go out of their way. People are always kind of on our food production and stuff. And I. I just thought like nobody's ever saying thank you to the farmers and and our whole business has been built by representing farmer invented products and selling them to other farmers and so we said hey why don't we do this why don't we why don't we create something where we can really focus on saying thank you to the farmers just across western canada and honestly when we started this last summer it was just going to be hey let's just go do this we'll hold a couple small events invite a bunch of buddies and uh you know, other companies that are like ours and, and see what happens. And it is just morphed into to something unbelievable. I mean, the the response from the farmers that attended last year and, and last fall was was really cool. And, and the companies that joined us really had a good time. So it was like, hey, let's do three more of these. Where are you going to be holding the events for this year? We're in Lethbridge, July 7th and 8th. 
and then we're in Swift Current July uh, 13th and 14th, and we're finishing in Brandon, Manitoba, July 28th and 29th. What can producers expect? First off, it starts at 8 a.m. There's uh, We have a sponsor, Copperhead Egg, that's going to be providing free coffee and donuts. So they'll come, they'll get some coffee and donuts. Our first speaker is at uh, 9.30, and that's a gentleman by the name of Avery Shepard. And he's going to be speaking on cover crops, which is a really big buzz in both the grain and livestock producers communities right now. Um, and then after he speaks, um, we're going to have, and it's a different one for each event, but we have a speaker. So Swift Current, which is what we're talking about. Denise Philipchuk is going to be talking about transition and succession planning. Um, we've got companies from all across Western Canada that will be showcasing their products. So, you know, when the speakers are done talking, then the farmers will get a chance to, to kind of look at some of the latest in equipment and technology. Um, at lunch, uh, we have a free lunch. So Meridian is going to be buying lunch for all the farmers. And uh, during lunch, uh, Leslie Kelly, who actually joined us for all 10 of our previous events, is going to be speaking um, about mental health and resiliency on the farm. And so that'll be during lunch. Um, FMC, who's going to be sponsoring cold beverages for everybody. So that'll happen throughout the day. It's been really cool just to see the amount of, of sponsors and exhibitors and companies that, that decided they want to, like, we're small in the ag community and just want to come and, and, and join us in saying thanks to the producers. I think, I think the producers are, are really in for a treat. Now, if producers are interested in taking part in this, what do they have to do? Just got to get pre-registered. I mean, it's really important that we know how many are coming. Um, they So they can buy tickets at www.thanksforfarmingtour.com. One of the really unique things that we're doing is we're selling tickets to qualify farmers, but we're not keeping any of that money. We're donating that back to the local charities in each community that we visit. That really is key to see the the local community support coming back. Well, and that's one of the things that we started last year when we did this. I mean, when we went into a lot of these smaller communities, very specific about choosing agricultural communities. And then last year we catered our meals using local restaurants. You know, it's really important to not just say thank you and support the farmers, but also to say thank you and support the communities that support these farmers all the time. Final thoughts, key comments you would like to leave with people today? Restrictions are lifting. It's time to get back to doing some business. Um, and, and really, we, we want to make sure that everybody gets a chance to come out. That's Jeremy Matuszewski, one of the organizers for the Thanks for Farming Tour. It's making stops this week in Lethbridge, July 7th and 8th, in Swift Current, July 13th and 14th, with dates set for Brandon for July 28th and 29th, of course, depending on what's happening with public health orders there. Once again, you can get your tickets for the event near you by visiting www.thanksforfarmingtour.com. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen-Vossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. 
On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. CFAM Radio 950 is hosting a Farmer Appreciation Lunch July 13th in Plum Coulee. The event will take place at the Harvest Christian Fellowship Church parking lot. The drive through event will take place from 1130 until 1. The grand prize this year is a Meridian Grain Max Hopper bottom bin valued at more than $20,000. Sponsors this year include Borderview Electric in Winkler, Buffalo Creek Mills in Altona, and Bungie. Farm Credit Canada is offering a free online workshop entitled The Modern Family Farm Transition. Taking place July 13th, go to the FCC website to register. And the Canadian Semental Association has moved its AGM to an online setting this year, taking place July 24th. Visit their website for viewing information. It's time now for the Bean Report, brought to you by Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. Joining us today is production specialist Cassandra Kochik. So starting with soybeans, crops are mainly at the R1 or beginning bloom stage with anywhere from four to eight trifoliate leaves. And the most advanced soybean crops are reaching the R2 or full bloom stage this week. As the listeners are fully aware, Manitoba has been facing some very hot and very dry conditions over the past several weeks. Soybeans do not love dry conditions, but at this point in the growing season, they remain resilient. We can tell that some soybean crops are stressed by the way they're flipping their leaves during the day, but I can say that most soybean crops across the province are looking good, especially those that are growing in soils with greater water holding capacity. Regarding nutrient deficiency in soybeans, there has been the odd case of IDC flaring up over the past week, and that's iron deficiency chlorosis. Uh, But recovery from this has been great overall over the past couple weeks. And we've also seen the odd case of potassium deficiency in field pockets where levels are low. In soybean crops throughout July, keep an eye on foliar disease development, continue to monitor grasshopper pressure, and be on the lookout for any potential arrival of soybean aphids and spider mites. And it's important to note that spider mites love dry conditions, and there's a greater likelihood of them moving in after an insecticide application due to the loss of natural enemies. Moving on to dry beans. The dry bean crop is currently anywhere from three to eight trifoliate leaves, so V3 to V8, with more trifoliates coming in this hot weather. And at this time, we're seeing uh, a lot of flower buds, and flowers are actually starting to open in the most advanced crops, which are the kidney and the cranberry beans. Right now, wide row dry beans are getting some inter-row cultivation for weed control, and we're also seeing some disease symptoms starting to show up, including bacterial blight following previous plant damage and heavy winds, uh, and the odd symptom of root rot, but only at very low levels. The pea crop is mainly at the R3, or the flat pod stage, across the province. This hot, dry weather has pea plants developing very quickly, and we've noticed that it's caused a reduction in plant height across the province. And in the most extreme cases, we're seeing the tops of plants starting to droop, which is not good, uh, so we continue to hope for rain. On the plus side to the dry conditions is the low disease pressure. Uh, We've seen some mycosporella freckling in the lower canopy and at field edges. Um, But in cases like this with low to no disease pressure, there's little need for foliar fungicide. Um, But we definitely recommend continuing to monitor for disease, follow our fungicide decision worksheet for mycosporella, 
and consider your overall yield potential and payoff from fungicide before applying. We haven't found any PAFIDs yet in Manitoba, but I recommend that you continue to scout for them until pods have filled. And my final comment on peas is that nodulation has been incredibly variable from field to field. We have uh, seen some fields with lots of nodules and others that have few to none. Possible causes could be high nitrate levels in the soil, in the odd case, inoculant failure, or even root rot infection. So it's a good idea to do some investigation if your nodulation is poor in your pea fields. And finally, faba beans are sitting at the R3 or the full flower stage with young pods beginning to emerge from the most mature flowering nodes. These water-loving plants are also in much need of moisture. And a quick note for faba beans uh, and scouting is to keep an eye out for ligus bugs and blister beetles over the coming weeks. And for more info on any of these topics I covered today, check out our Bean Report newsletter coming to your inbox on Wednesday and visit manitobapulse.ca to sign up. Thanks, Cassandra. Cassandra Kochik is a production specialist with Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. The Bean Report is brought to you by Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. You can find out more at manitobapulse.ca. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Farmers are wrapping up spraying for weeds. Kim Brown Livingston is a weed specialist with Manitoba Agriculture. Most of our crops are starting to flower. And uh, once we get into those stages, we know, especially like with our with our canola and then with our beans as well, we don't want to be spraying them when there's flowers on them. And uh, with our corn, pretty much most of the, the chemistry, once we get to that V8 stage, you know, it's time to stop spraying. So we're kind of at that stage now for most of our cor- crops. She notes windy conditions have made it challenging for spraying this year. And a new report entitled Growing Canada, How Agribusiness is Evolving, talks about how agribusiness has the potential to help Canada's economic recovery through the adoption of agricultural technologies. The report was done by KPMG Canada. David Guthrie is their national leader for agribusiness. Our population is expected to hit 10 billion people by 2050. So that's up from approximately 7 billion today. So we have a number of mouths that we're going to have to... uh, feed going forward and this has the opportunity to really contribute 11 billion dollars in our GDP by 2030. He says we'll need to look at other ways to sustainably grow our food by looking at preserving farmland, converting any land that is farmable or looking at other growing methods like controlled environment agriculture or vertical growing. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.